peace be with you. Thank you. I don't think the disciples got it together to do that. Because <laughs> Jesus appeared behind the locked doors. The power of Christ's resurrection actually is going to burst through any obstacle. There was a, a pastor that went to Italy and toured a graveyard. He found one, a grave of an atheist that had all kinds of symbols on it, and uh, on one of those symbols said, I do not want to be raised. <laughs> well, there's a great way to go into the grave. And to double assure it, he had a thicker slab put on there. It looked like a fortress of concrete, a box that was impenetrable. Except, maybe you know the story or have heard it, that when they were putting it together and they had his final words, an acorn seed had plopped its way into the corner of that box. And a hundred years later, there was an oak tree that stood mighty above it and broke the concrete wide open. And so his very testimony defying God over the resurrection had its own statement under the oak tree. Think of the things that you have as immovable objects in your lives. Your stress, maybe your self-doubt, your bitterness, your insecurity. And those things are rocks that God can move. And we need to know that because the power of the resurrection is at work. It is what we celebrate every single Sunday. The resurrection is the power of God at work in a human heart. And it changes everything. You know, one of the, um, one of the things that he came back with, that pastor, was this. He said, if an acorn, which has the power of bi biological life in it, can split a slab of that magnitude, what can an acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? The more you know him, the more you grow into the power of the resurrection. And, as it says, peace and life burst forth from the grave. First, his appearance. His appearance inspires peace. The disciples, in fear and confusion, were hiding. They were withdrawn into, we might call it, darkness and despair. It was because the natural way of things was that if they persecuted the master, you were, by association, going to get the same treatment. They were in this despair that Jesus had died. With his death, they assumed all their hopes and expectations had been flung out the window. Well, how else do you describe that? Other than that, just the breaking of a heart with the loss, right? And some of you have been there. You're hurt so badly, you withdraw. And you know, part of it is because they weren't sure now, humanly speaking, whether he had told the truth or lied. Could they trust his promises, the one that they had followed? They'd given up everything to go with. To be a disciple means you become like him. They were like him, but now everything they had in mind had been turned upside down. And it's no wonder they were afraid. 
They'd seen the crowds welcome him, Hosanna to the son of David, but they'd also seen the crowds cry crucify. And which do you think they focused on more? Like us, our obstacles. And the disciples, while they're hiding there, licking their wounds, did not hear the words that he had spoken to Mary and Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. They had no peace. But then, in an instant, Jesus was there. Jesus crossed over all of their doubts. He's there in the midst of us. And if you saw or heard a person that had died, your whole emotional framework would be challenged, wouldn't it? You especially would say, if he went through this kind of treatment, the abuse, the crucifixion, if you had handled his body down from the cross or placed him in the grave, if you were anointing him with spices, you would say, there is no possibility this could be him. It may have taken quite some time for them to recognize him. And of course, it was the women who were out there early to honor him that saw it first. They took the news back to the disciples and even after Peter and John ran and said the tomb is empty, they still could not believe that the resurrection was real. And there he is. It's real. Think about what happens when we go through the cycle of Lent, Holy Week, and Easter. Almost everybody I know that's gone through a great loss remembers their loved one. And they remember the promise of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. They remember that he appeared behind closed doors and said, Peace be with you. And in his presence, there is exactly what he has offered. There's confirmation that he has not lied. There is a message that he does care, that he has the power to care, that he has the power to protect. And he arrived again this morning, and especially last week Sunday, with a message of peace. Peace be with you. I want you to share this peace with the world. It's the peace he gives in the Holy Spirit of forgiveness. And one of the things he needs to forgive is our lack of trust. That's why I wanted to talk to the children about trust. You know, there is nothing that is truer and longer lasting than the Word of God. There's nothing you can trust more than the words of Jesus. And it dispels all the doubt. When on the cross he said, it is finished, that meant the bill was paid, the sin is gone. I guess you would say that it takes quite a discovery because Jerome, one of the early church fathers, had to find it in a dream. He came before Jesus, who now is on the judgment throne, and he said, what do you want, Jesus? I bring you all of my money. This is Jerome's dream. And Jesus said, I do not want your money. He said, then I'll go back and gather all my possessions. I give you everything I am and have. And Jesus said, I don't want your possessions. Then Jesus, what do you want? And with that, he put his hands out and said, give me your sins. Place them on me that you may be free. That's powerful. 
because you, if you will admit it, if you're not all that sleepy this morning, if you will admit it, that's one of your major issues every day, is that there's grief in your heart and there's trouble over sin. And that's why when you see those wounds like Thomas did after eight days, like the disciples felt, it instills life. Do you remember the words of Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God? His coming would cause them to see death from a new perspective, to take the fear and jam it into the grave where he has already gone. You see, death was a part of their fear. Thomas was the one that seemed to uh, give uh, testimony to it when Lazarus, it was discovered, was dead. You know what he said. Then let us go with him that we also may die. Must have been an emotional tug at his heart of such nature that he thought, you know, life isn't worth going on. And there's a time in almost every person's life, and surely there are people here who almost wanted to die more than live. But the promises of God are full of faith. They are full of faith-giving power. It instills in your heart a new life. It recreates you. Zoom out. I was having trouble uh, trying to figure out something where we were going, and I was caught because it was too uh, close. It, it was near my face. It was too uh, involved on the map. I couldn't figure out where that was supposed to be. And there's a little plus and a minus sign, and I clicked the minus. That looked better. I kept clicking until I actually had a frame of reference. And then it made sense. I zoomed out, and everything came into perspective. What else do you think is the message of Jesus that day? It is zooming out to see things from a whole new perspective. It is zooming out until eternity comes into view. And when you see things relative to eternity, eternity is your point of reference, your earthly problems become pretty small. If God can break the grave of an atheist with an acorn, if God will break the grave of Jesus and bring him back exactly as he has promised, then Easter proclaims a victory and new life. There's something about Jesus' resurrected and glorified body that's different. He carries the wounds. They're called stigmata. Those wounds are there to identify him as the one who was slain. The lamb looking like he was slain. Because when you see him in glory, you won't think of him as a lamb you're going to think of him as the power of a lion and you're almost going to be afraid of him until you see the wounds and then you're going to bow before him like thomas did and say my lord and my god what a beautiful thing is easter for our lives because i live you too will live whoever believes in me has eternal life the disciples were reunited with their master in that room and their hope sprung anew in fact that's why we call it spring it's why we call it easter is because it brings new life look at his hands look at his feet and his side are the marks of a new life begun again and when we awake on the day of resurrection 
it is going to be not uh, an isolated uh, event. We are not going to be alone. First of all, we'll be pulled forth by Jesus. And that face will be immediately recognizable. And you'll see the hands and side. And you will know he did that for you. But then you'll be looking around and you'll find that we are going to meet again. In fact, it predicts union of all life of all who believe in Jesus together. There was a shipwreck, a father and a son were uh, trying to stay alive on the rigging until the storm got so bad it ripped the boy off and the father went unconscious. When he awoke in the hospital and they finally began to come to consciousness, his grief was overwhelming because the last thing he remembered seeing was his son slipping away in the water. And then as he rolled his head over, he saw next to him, the boy was alive and well. And you and I are going to see with our own eyes, like Job says, with my own eyes, I will see that my Redeemer lives. And then, and then, after seeing our wounded warrior, the champion, we will see all those that we have loved long ago. And we have lost for a period of time in our minds. But they're not lost at all. They're going to be with us forever in eternity. That is worth looking forward to. That is the power of the resurrection. Amen.